Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. Here is Reggie Jackson walking it from right to left. He's going to cross the midcourt line with 10 seconds left. Guarded by the rookie Hayes. Jackson with six seconds left. Jackson at the top of the key with four seconds left. Crossover. Step into the jumper. He buries it. Dodgers comes and gets it. Got a bounce and will fling it on up. And he hit it. He hit it to put the game in overtime. He was crouching when he let it go. Maybe a three. Was he behind the line? I don't know if he was behind the line. I'm not sure of that. They're going to check. The Maverick bench exploding. Tim Hardaway's putting up three fingers to see if it's a three-pointer. Oh, he did. He did go behind the line. He just won the game. Luka just won the game with an incredible shot as he split the double team of Brooks and Valanciunas and leaning in to score. Highlights. From around the NBA, the Mavericks on an incredible shot by Luka Doncic, stumbling forward, off balance, splitting the double team and flinging it in. It's a playground shot, PK, and it was a game winner. Yeah. The funny thing is, though, that, that's what I've said about the great players, and I thought it was on balance. It was awkward, but under the circumstances, dipping like that and moving forward to be able to get the shot off, I thought it was incredible balance. I mean, it wasn't true balance in the way we normally see a okay thank you <laughs> i'll give you that the side to side stuff was perfectly balanced but his weight he was way forward now, i get your point like the the core strength that these guys work on to pull that off when you're kind of leaning over and and way off balance forward i mean it didn't look like anything close to a normal shot no no but it wasn't his balance and all wasn't totally awkward yeah, as far as like not the falling left to right or anything like that, totally agree. But the stumbling forward thing, I couldn't believe he made that shot. It's amazing. It, yeah, it was no awesome. Doubt about it. it was awesome. You can you can watch replays of that multiple times and, and still just be stunned that he did that. And I think it goes back to what you said when New Orleans uh, blew some big lead and lost to somebody. You said, they're good, but they're a young team and they don't know how to win yet. And I thought the Grizzlies coulda, woulda, shoulda been in the control of that game much earlier in the fourth quarter. But the Mavericks made a run and tightened it up, and then at the end of the game they got a chance to uh, do that. And Grayson Allen had free throws that, you know, could have changed everything, and he didn't get those to go. So, Good. Clippers beat the Pistons. Reggie Jackson had the eventual game winner there, but uh, a frightening game for the Clippers. But at this point in the season, hey, get the win. They're in third place. They got a chance to get to second. And they pick up the win over the uh, over the Pistons. Well, they played without Leonard and George. Neither of those guys were playing, and Reggie Jackson came up big, which is ironic because on this day in 1972, Reggie Jackson, of course, not this one, but the other, the more famous Reggie Jackson, he sported a mustache, and it's reported to be the first major league player with facial hair hair since Wally Shang in 1914 on this day in 1972. What? I, I follow baseball picks on Twitter. Uh-huh. I got it right here. They so it had been 58 years that no one had had facial hair in Major League Baseball. 
Reggie Jackson sports a mustache. April 15, 1972. Jackson is reported to be the first major league player with facial hair since Wally Shang in 1914. Schlang. S-C-H-A-N-G. I, there were, there were I, a couple teams I've heard of literally had the rule no facial hair. Cincinnati Reds and the New York Yankees. I've read that multiple times, but I didn't know that it was nowhere in Major League Baseball. Seems weird. Well, it says right here on the internet. I, I got it. Thank you, PK. <laughs> and if it's on the internet, if it's on the World Wide Webs, it must be true. It's internet. Make sure you pronounce all the letters. Internet. 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 Yes, right here on the internet. Internet. Uh, Jokic, another triple-double, 17 points. The Nuggets beat the Miami Heat, 123-106. So Denver gets a win. They keep doing their thing. And who else in the West do we really care about? Uh, The Warriors, not that we really care about them. They'll be in that 7, 8, 9, 10 thing probably, that play-in series. They beat the Thunder. Oklahoma City, after taking a lick in here in Utah, went to uh, went and got blown out by Golden State, 147-109. Steph Curry went for 42. It's just, they are way, way shorthanded. Oh, Lugans Dort did not play. No Lou Dort, no hope. Sixers that, beat. That, that's what they're marching and saying, by the way. <laughs> Sixers 120. In Oklahoma City. Sixers 123-117 over the Nets. MB goes for 39 and 13. The Nets, the quintessential. How many of their guys do they have team? Oh, quintessential. Wow. Yeah. That's a that's a $7 word right there. Soak it up. Kyrie Irving went for 37, but Kevin Durant did not play with the hamstring. And of course, uh, long term, they're without James Harden right now. And so neither did Blake Griffin. Just one of you their three. A $7 word. Yesterday I was looking at a lot of time. I was doing some football research just because uh, I had the time. Mm-hmm. And Utah, uh, they have a kid from Hawaii, and his mother has 19 letters in her first name. Yikes. I know. You, you probably don't want to try and say that name right now, do you? I don't have it in front of me. And I could go back and get it because I was looking at the – Incoming guys just reading bios and stuff, and I did it for. Uh, I probably finished about uh, eight of the twelve Pac-12 teams yesterday mm-hmm. afternoon, and I saw that one of the incoming nineteen letters. Those Polynesians, man, they like to they like to go on and on sometimes. Of course, and they short it, shorten it, I should say, to probably something. I don't think it's going. Well, yeah, but we got people who've got like six letter names who get shortened to. To three letters. If you got 19, you're absolutely getting a nickname. Well, yeah. If Robert get, becomes Bob, then your 19-letter name can have a nickname. Well, when we get to baseball, we're going to hear about Bo Bichette, and that's two. <laughs> I like it. As short as possible. Bo could be four, but You know what two. I'm saying, G? G, thank you. <laughs> DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. College Hoops, Arizona has a basketball coach. It's Gonzaga assistant Tommy Lloyd. He replaces Sean Miller in, Toy- in Tucson. Toy son. Uh, Lloyd had been Mark Few's right-hand man for a couple decades. Key cog to build the international talent pipeline for the Bulldogs. So whenever this comes up, there's always a question, what does it mean for the school hiring the coach? But in this case, double down, not just what does it mean for Arizona. What do you think it's going to mean for Gonzaga? Nothing. Really? Fuel just keep yeah. it going and won't even blink? No, I don't think so. Uh, because he's had, he's had assistance 
leave. And I realized Lloyd has been there, but Lloyd wasn't necessarily able to leave because he's 48 years old. He's been there 20 years. I don't think he was going to get a job like this at 31, 32, 33, 34, so forth. So, of course, he would stay. And now Gonzaga is at the top of their game. He's 48 years old. He deserves this opportunity. So I don't think it's going to be a big blow for Gonzaga. I think that they will continue to roll. I think it's a gutsy hire by Arizona. Uh, and I and I'd heard earlier in the week as I told you you brought it up on the air uh, yeah you, yeah you brought that, this up. That, that that's what they were he was uh, he was either an in-house guy who played for Lute and Lute will always be the godfather in the way Lavelle Edwards although they had some success before Lute not to the level no that they, they had, had good teams back in the seventies yeah they did they did for sure and uh, but nevertheless there the a lot of Loot guys out there, but yeah, I'd heard that Lloyd was uh, certainly in the mix, a strong mix, and I said that his his son plays basketball and there. He's on the grand, on team of Grand Canyon up in Phoenix. But, uh, so it, it, it's it's a gutsy move going outside the family, but Sean Miller was outside, so I don't think they had established that, that you had to do that, but there was some people, and people in Tucson, and there's some boosters down there who really can have a strong, strong influence. And from what I was hearing, you know, they they were pushed uh, to get one of the guys because they already have a relationship. And now they have to buddy up to somebody who's brand new, who they have zero relationship with. And an interesting fact is now you've got the football and men's basketball coaches, neither of whom have been a full-time head coach before. And they're going to be first-time guys. You could see a little bit in football because football isn't the stature of basketball. Basketball, obviously, Arizona has been one of the premier programs in the country for a good number of years, maybe not the last couple. And what is Floyd going to do? He's probably going to get some time because there may be some sanctions coming down along with what they did, uh, firing Miller and self-imposing a ban this past season. But that might not be enough in the eyes of the NCAA, so we'll have to see that. But, uh, yeah, this this guy, I've talked to him a few times, and so uh, he gets a shot. And a move that will impact college basketball, but will impact all college sports, football, all the Olympic sports and all that. The NCAA Board of Governors has approved the long-expected move that will allow all student-athletes a one-time free transfer in all sports. You don't have to sit out to be eligible, PK. I guess you do if you want to transfer a second time, and we are seeing that, kids playing for three schools. But the first time, you got a free transfer. The formal vote to approve the measure will take place this evening when the Board of Governors convenes. Well, a lot of these kids are making appeals, and they've been getting the appeals. You yep. look at Barcelo for the BYU basketball team as a, as a recent example. So they've been very more, much more lenient with that. So you wonder if they will continue if a player wants to transfer a second time because if the circumstances, whatever might, you have a parent who died or whatever and you want to be closer to home, I think they've been a little bit more, uh, I don't know, forgiving or understanding is the better word. Uh, And then also, too, you still have the grad transfer in Mm -hmm. your back pocket if you want it because, you know, that that point, unless you transferred twice your first two years, you're probably going to have at least three years. And so if you work on your academics, kids have been able to get that done in a short amount of time there. Uh, So we could see that. Uh, twice, but yeah, I think this is the. To me, this is an important thing, and I think there's other things that need to be changed, as far as give all the advantage or most of the advantage to the player, 
because the coach can literally be on the job for a day and say, nah, I changed my mind. I'm going to and not just go back to the prior job, take another job that he or she deems better. Uh, we've seen that. The Texas basketball coach Beard did that a couple years back with UNLV. Well, that screws up UNLV, right? And then they end up uh, going to, what, a second or third or fourth choice? And we know they just made a coaching change the year before last. And so their basketball program has been not very good of late. And, you know, they lose a transfer here to Utah with uh, Slocum bringing a kid over back to all that. So it impacts the school negatively when a coach does that. So I think they should be able to allow the players to do it. And also, too, uh, and I've been pushing for, uh, why have your rules that are advantageous to the professionals? Have the rules that are advantageous to the kid so he can put his name out there, and if he doesn't want to go, then he doesn't go. Especially with the transfer rules now changing, the argument for a long time was, well, the coach has got to know in his roster and the recruiting window's closed, and then he loses a kid, so we've got to have this so that the coach has this certainty. But since the coaches have no certainty with the transfer rule anyway, and since there are... Uh, what did Kyle tell us? Four players in the portal for every scholarship that's available. Well, now you can go get a replacement. Maybe not as good, but at least you can go get somebody. And basketball's got twelve or 1,300 kids in the portal. Again, you can go get a whole roster. Oh, well, yeah, it's interesting you say that. And this is under college basketball, so it fits. I was looking on the inter- internet last night, and a kid, uh, there's only three kids for ASU basketball who uh, who were on the scholarship last year? Who would be on the scholarship? Be on scholarship next year because Hurley has just revamped his roster. One of those kids who was deemed to start, they the Devils got three. I, I don't know who they are, but they got three guys who played position of guard in the transfer portal that committed. And this kid who was due to start, and he played and he started a little bit last year. Yes, yesterday, last night, he put his name in the transfer portal because he saw well. These guys are going to come in, and maybe he must have thought, they're better than me, or they're going to take my playing time. And so he's out the door, and he's a kid who was at uh, in the big sky at uh, Portland State and came to Tempe. Now he wants to leave. So that'll be a second transfer for him, and he'll take advantage of this one-time transfer rule since he didn't... Uh, uh, the rule wasn't in effect last time. So, yeah, you got that with the portal. Way late in the game, mm-hmm. you could get somebody who they deem is better than you, and then you're stuck. Transfer portal Pete over there. You got your hands full now. Little did you know when you signed up for this how much work yeah, it was going to turn out to be. The NCAA wants to police people handing out IP addresses and some such. For yeah, the but you already portal. got it. I know you probably don't want me to say that, but uh, you're good to go. Yeah, they're well, gonna bust you. You're not gonna get thrown in jail. VPN, baby. We're hiding this thing. <laughs> You're in the inside. <laughs> it's only a matter of time till it gets completely opened up. I think. Well, the funny thing is, actually, there was a guy who I've been following on Twitter for a while. He went in with a program apparently where it scoops the data, uh-huh. and he literally made a database, and he can just put it on a spreadsheet, and he's got the entire portal there. So there's a recruiting website that you use that's tracking it now. 24-7 Sports. 24-7 is doing it, but there seems like it's a little behind. They're a little slow getting the update in there. Because oh, I was looking brother, at the Utah so basketball. You can't basket- wait two hours? They're looking at the Utah basketball <laughs> stuff, and there's a couple kids who we've heard about who aren't on their website sure. yet. So It's only a matter of time, though. It'll just all be out there. I mean, what's the point of keeping it secret? The kids are posting it on social media anyway. I know. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. If we wait two or three more years, 
and try to find Ben's successor, Baker Mayfield going to be ahead of the game. Joe Burrow going to be ahead of the game. Lamar Jackson going to be ahead of the game. So what else going to leave the Pittsburgh Steelers? Because if we looking at now or last year, Seven had a nice little stat-wise, what, 33 touchdowns, 10 interceptions? That's not bad. But as a former Pittsburgh Steeler, if we're not hoisting the Lombardi Trophy, that's really a wash for the season. That's former Steeler Ike Taylor right there saying it is Super Bowl or bust for Pittsburgh. He's uh, certainly on point about the rest of the division has young quarterbacks who look like they have a big-time upside, who look like they could do Now we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but there's encouraging signs for all of those teams. Meanwhile, the Steelers are at the end of the line with Ben Roethlisberger. They started 11-0, complete collapse. He's given up the money. He's coming back for one more year, and we know from the Favre saga there could be one more year after this, but it really does seem like Pittsburgh's getting near the end of the line, so Super Bowl or bust for this generation of Steelers for the Ben Roethlisberger era. Well, this is the cycle of great quarterbacks. Yep. Tampa Bay is going to face it in a year or two. Uh, New England's going through it now. Uh, the Saints are going to go through it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it's just the way it is, man. And yeah, if you what you what you need to do is either make some great trade, a la getting. I think that's how the Niners got Steve Young, right? Uh, yeah. Or you or you suck, and then you draft a Justin Herbert, who looks like he has promise. And you hope that he is, and so you don't have, like, the Jets, and, you know, the Sanchez right. and Darnold, and uh, I can't even name all the quarterbacks, obviously, uh, over the last X amount of years. So yeah, what he's saying there, it applies to every team in that situation. An attorney's filed a criminal complaint against the Rams star defensive lineman Aaron Donald, filed with Pittsburgh police saying the defensive tackle and others assaulted his 26-year-old client in an after-hours club last weekend. Attorney Todd J. Hollis says his client, Vincent Spriggs, needed 16 stitches, suffered a broken orbital bone, a broken nose, a concussion, a sprained or broken arm. The alleged attack occurred around 3 a.m. Sunday. Hollis says he has photos showing Spriggs with the facial injuries and swelling. I saw that picture. Apparently, inadvertently bumped Donald, and an incident ensued inside the Boom Boom Room nightclub. Caused both parties to be asked to leave. I I thought that stuff, then we don't have that. Uh, This is a pandemic. I can't keep track of what is acceptable behavior in this stuff and what isn't. Uh, Being asked to leave the Boom Boom Room, and I just want to say Boom Boom Room as many times as possible. Being asked to leave the Boom Boom Room at 3 a.m. doesn't sound like... uh, That's acceptable pandemic behavior. If you were in the boom, boom room, and uh, I would think the NFL might be end up finding you with that. Uh, It's the off season. So maybe it's different, but I think all these leagues have had a ton of rules. I mean, Joe Ingles has told us there's a ton of rules and the NFL was, uh, was cracking on guys during the season. I mean, we heard plenty of those stories about that. This is off season, obviously. Right. And so maybe those rules are a little lighter. So. I don't know. You, you Democrats, you crazy people. Free agent pass rusher Javion Clowney signed a one-year deal with the Cleveland Browns. It's worth up to $10 million. The team with Miles Garrett to give Cleveland two high-end pass rushers. After quarterback, the most important position. And if you got two of them, somebody, they can't both be double-teamed. Somebody ought to be breaking loose. 
Cleveland going all in. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Breaking ball high in the air. Hicks ranging back at the wall, at the track. Get out of here. God, a walk-off home run for Bo Bichette. Have a day, Bo. Another 3-2. Ground ball to third. Moncada up with it. Throw to first. It's a no-hitter. Carlos Rodon has no-hit the Cleveland Indians. The 20th no-hitter in Sox history. What a performance. He's being mobbed on the mound by his teammates. They come rushing from the bullpen. He was also close to a perfect game, but a no-hitter will do. Carlos Rodon had the perfect game into the uh, ninth inning. The ninth inning got uh, pretty interesting, PK. A bang-bang play at first, play, at first base. And then the hit by pitcher with one out, or the hit by pitcher with one out that wrecked the perfect game, but he holds on for the no-no. And the White Sox beat Cleveland eight zip. That is two times now in less than a week that we've had a perfect game wrecked by a hit by the pitcher, but still got the no-hitter out of it. Yeah, it was a slider in. He's a left-hander and a slider into Perez and hit him in the back foot and in the toe area on the shoe. Uh, there's some heat. This guy's taking some heat. I was reading this morning. He should have tried more passionately to get out of the way. Uh, it's in the moment, man. The, and the ball's curving into you. So it's like, well, unless he jumped over it, I'm not sure he would have been getting out of the way because if he moved backward, then maybe it hits him in the midfoot or ankle area as opposed up front because the ball left-hander to a right-hander on a slider, the ball's breaking into you. Instead of uh, away from you, that's why managers love the lefty-righty combo as a uh, for a batter, and you know, versus vice versa for the pitcher and all that stuff. So, but he may maintain his composure and at least got the no-no out of it. The no, the, the perfect game would have been cool. Certainly, I I, I saw it. Uh, I was watching Dodgers Rockies and they said it, and so I flicked over one channel on my Comcast and uh, watched that thing. The ninth inning would have been something. But here's a kid that. Uh, has had all sorts of issues. Tommy John, shoulder surgery. He was left untendered in December, which means he could have, uh, he was a free agent basically, but they brought him back. And it was funny, in the ninth, he had so much juice and adrenaline. He was throwing several miles an hour harder than he normally does. He hit 99 in the ninth inning. <laughs> so, his quote baseball's pretty humbling. It's that quick, it'll eat you, spit you out. And sometimes it'll reward you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got the reward. Oh, you mentioned you were watching Dodgers-Rockies. This will shock everyone, but the, the Dodgers beat the Rockies 4-2. to two. The Dodgers off to a 10-2 and two start, best record in baseball, first team to 10 wins and all that stuff. The only team that's really going with them, the Boston Red Sox, who just won their ninth straight game after that 0-3 start. They're unbeatable. Nine and three, playing seven fifty ball. I bet nobody expected that. They're probably complaining like crazy at zero and three. But look at them now. Hey, did you see the nacho splash? Just the nacho turf? splash. That is. Uh, I'm going to catch this ball. <laughs> you end up wearing some food. <laughs> yeah, I was left. I was watching it live. And you Are you see, watching it live? I was. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching it live. I had the game on. I watched most of the game. I turned it over for the. Uh, 
the perfect game, no, no. But other than that, then I went right back to it. So, yeah, I was watching the game. I'm, I'm a Dodger fan. And so I was watching that game, and uh, I saw Turner's home run. You see the thing, just the, all the, the nacho cheese just splatter. Sort of gross. But, uh, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> yeah, sort of. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff you joke about happening, and you're sitting out there, I'm going to catch it in this cup, or I'm going to catch it in this thing of popcorn. But how often do you actually see that happening? I think I've seen a couple foul balls go into beers, maybe. But the nachos is a whole other le- level of, well, gross. Didn't yeah. Turner order him a, another round? He got more nachos. Yeah, I think, I think, <laughs> I think Turner yeah. like, ordered it from the dugout oh, and had him no, delivered I, to him. I, I didn't know that. I missed that. But, uh, yeah, he got they, – they came by and uh, they, they had to clean up the area. <laughs> wow. Well, and, it's all over his face and his hair thing, and stuff. It's just – it blew up on him. Uh, Rocky, I was riding the Rocky announcers were having a field day. The bad news is that his wife or girlfriend or date or whoever, she drove, so they're going to make him Uber because he's filthy. <laughs> I was at Yankee Stadium a couple years back, and I saw a guy, uh, two guys, a ball hits, comes foul ball. It hits the concrete, so it hits the aisle, and it bounces straight up. And two guys then are reaching up because the ball, you know, if it hits, it ricochets and it'll go straight up. It'll go mm-hmm. 20 feet high or what have you. And two guys are reaching up. And one guy had a beer in his hand, and they bumped into each other. The beer spilled all over him. And also, he was chubby. And as he reached up, then the beer is falling. So he reaches up with both hands. His shorts fall down to his ankles. Uh. And everybody around went berserko laughing. <laughs> including me. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Astros shorthanded now. Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, among five members on the team who are on the IL for health and safety protocols relating to COVID-19. Houston lost to Detroit 6-4 without him. And Pete Rose. Can't beat him, join him. Can't get reinstated by Major League Baseball, so he said, Yeah. And he's joining up with U-Pick Trade, a pick-selling website based in Mexico. He's going to sell his sports betting picks for Major League Baseball and other sports for $89 a month. Says he doesn't believe it'll impact his chances of getting in the Hall of Fame. His chances of getting in the Hall of Fame seem to be about zero. Well, it's interesting. Pete Rose turned 80 yesterday. Yeah. Born uh, April 14th, 1941. 80 years old. 4,256 hits. I'd say put him in the hall and have the plaque uh, go through all the things that uh, we know he did with the with the betting. It's going to be the history of the game. Let's have it be the complete history of the game. Guy was a winner. Charlie Hustle, man. That's a great nickname. Better than Charlie Loafer. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Uh, coming up, we got Utah availability for the football team coming up at 8 o'clock. And at 8.30, Craig Bullerjack, TV voice of the Jazz, will join us. Joe Ingles in the 9 o'clock hour. Stay with us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Question of the day coming up next. The Big Show, the Big Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. 
Our friend Dirk Facer on with us. Spring ball wrapping up with Utah. How open is the quarterback competition going to be in fall camp? It really depends on Cam Rising's health. If he's not good to go with that shoulder, then I don't think there's a competition at all. Just like spring ball, Charlie Brewer's getting most of the reps. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens this fall based on Rising's health. They're saying right now it's going to be an open competition. You know, in this world of Zoom conferences and not being able to watch practice, I guess we've got to take them at their word. It's an open competition, but the Brewers statistics have got a great insurance policy there. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes and Toes brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Cadillac owners may have changed, but luxury hasn't. Come see the bold new lineup of Cadillac at Jerry Seiner Cadillac today. Question of the day. Well, college football fans, college basketball fans, any college sport, it's here. One-time free transfer. So is everybody cool with the decision to allow college players a one-time free transfer? And I would say, PK, that it is. Uh, people are 80 to 90% on board. Brad's 100% absolutely fine with it. Coaches can leave, so the players should be able to, since the coach can, if they want to play for that coach and he left, of course they should be able to transfer. Thomas is right there. If the head coach leaves, everyone should be able to leave that year without penalty. Well, Thomas, this is uh, a much broader definition of transfer. You can leave whether the coach leaves or not. Thomas, uh, another different Thomas here, says, uh, I think so. However, won't this just hurt the recruitment of high school athletes? Teams can avoid giving out scholarships to unknowns at the college level and just recruit transfers to their program. How many high schoolers could afford to self-pay even one year without a scholarship? Oh, well, if you get a student loan, everybody. And then you people are going to forgive the student loans, so they're okay, they're right, right? Aha! <laughs> So, I mean, I, so I, I couldn't afford it. That's how I went five friggin' years <laughs> and paid it all back. Now it's much more expensive now. I understand that. Uh, so I do. I am intrigued how this is going to impact uh, high school kids. Oh, yeah. I think that's a legitimate concern because what's going to happen potentially, and you have to look at all ramifications. It's like, you know, you just you put out a rule or, a, you know, an NCAA law, we'll call it. And uh, you have to look at the ramifications. Like I've been saying this for years, give these kids money, but then you better well train them, particularly, and let's just call it like it is. We need to have real talk. We can have real talk when it's on uh, an issue that uh, people, uh, depending on what side of the aisle you're on, but some of these kids are coming from impoverished backgrounds. They don't have the guidance. And if you, depending on how much money they have available to them, they're going to get all sorts of people coming at them in all sorts of different directions and are they prepared to handle that and could that lead to uh, other things that are immediate problems and problems down the line that uh, you're on the hook until they're 18 if you get my drift and that's happened that's 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 out there and so you have to look at the consequences that are intended and the unintended consequences and so here if you do this, which they're going to do, you know, what does that mean? Is it going to be the so-called rich get richer? And then the the top programs, well, gosh, do we even need to recruit 
a three-star or a two-star kid out of high school? Why bother? Let him go to the minors, so to speak, and see how he does. Then we can pluck him if he develops. Meanwhile, we could still get the four- and five-star. And I told you I was doing some Pac-12 research yesterday because it was you know, not a good day to be outside and all that stuff, obviously. And I was just looking at the recruits for SC football. They got 15, 15 kids coming in this year that are at minimum a four-star. So a four-star or a five-star. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't guarantee anything, but obviously it's a good start. And so here, if you want a kid uh, who wants to stay in the region, you know, SC is obviously still a very much a viable choice. And so do you get kids then that are schools will just will pass on this kid? We know this kid over here, and they've got the number one recruit coming in at defensive end uh, next year, going to be on the roster in this coming season. And I think he's going to have the same impact as the – the Thibodeau kid did for Oregon, number, I think, what, number five, Yach? If you remember him uh, just causing all sorts of trouble for Where's the number five? Yep. in the Pac-12 title game uh, a couple of years ago, and he'll be a junior this year, and he'll be on his way to the NFL for I was going to sure. say, he's a first-round yeah. pick next year yeah. in the draft. Maybe he'll do like Penny Sewell and sit out and get himself ready for the draft. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, so... Uh, you do, does this just aid those schools? There's a bunch of unintended consequences that I don't even think you and I or the three of us could come up with right now that this rule could end up having an effect on an impact on. Okay, so there's one note here that this past recruiting cycle, Texas State, who BYU played this past year, do you know, you know how many high school players they took in their recruiting class this year? Zero or 25. It's going to be an extreme example because you're not saying this because it was 18. They took zero. Zero. They took all either junior college or Division One transfers in this group. And the, their coach was saying, well, the thought is here that we can pick off guys from other programs. Yeah, but the, the 25-85 rule it, ought to jump up and bite you at that it, point. And that's the thing. that There's a lot of thought that at some point it's going to come back and bite them. They did not take a single high school player in this class. Yeah, well, come back and bite him. If he doesn't win, well, I mean, the coach will get fired. So what does he care about coming yeah. back and biting him? I don't know their situation. I do know that Paul Goldschmidt went to Texas State. And so I am a Texas State baseball fan. But other than that, I don't you know when they played him uh, in football, that was it, and then they go, go away. Bobcats. You don't think twice about them, and so I don't know the coach's situation, but uh, what does he care three years down the road if he's not there? So I think that there is that fear among the schools that are further down the food chain that we are the junior varsity. We're going to bring these guys in, we're going to develop them, and then they're going to take off for greener pastures, right? Who's the recruit the youth just got from UNLV? I'm blanking on his name right David now. David Jenkins. Jenkins. Yeah, Jenkins. Basketball? He was in, it was in South Dakota, and then he went to UNLV. This is it's his like, third program. Yeah, it's his third program, and everyone, the, regardless of how good the team is or not, the perception is you're going to a better league and better composite competition and proving yourself. But it works the other way, too. You see Santa Barbara. I mean, my alma mater goes to the NCAA tournament, it seems like, about once every, I don't know, five to seven years somewhere in there, and they went this year. Well, they had a couple of high-profile transfers. One kid yeah. was from DePaul. So there will be kids who uh, – well, Barcelo's a good example, right? The Pac-12 to the West Coast Conference. That sounds like a move down. Well, he was getting passed over and not getting playing time and thought he was going to be buried behind all these one-and-dones, and he goes to BYU, and he gave him two good years. So hey, I think that the talent – give him three. Right. The talent, I think, can flow both ways. It can. It can. But are – and that's nice for them – and in, in, I think football is the big sport, right, obviously. So that's nice for them. They go, 
and the, the kid plays for Santa Barbara, and they go to the tournament, and they're mm-hmm. one and done. Yep. But they're not really a big-time player, nor do they intend to want to be because they're not, you know, just not putting the money into it and all that stuff. So, fine. That, that's, a, that's a great example. And I don't know the kid what his situation was at DePaul, but if he wasn't playing, uh, although if I was playing 40 minutes a game and I had the chance to go to Santa Barbara, I'd still go to Santa Barbara. <laughs> but that's just me. For the win! <laughs> uh, so, and that's great. But that doesn't really move the power structure at all, and it doesn't it doesn't leave a bad taste in any of our mouths because he could still do that. He would have just had to sit out a year. Mm-hmm. He could still have done that. That doesn't change. That's always been there uh, when you have that, and that'll always continue to be there. Uh, it's just and football already has what I call an NBA problem in that there's so few teams that are really really competing. I mean, when the, when the college football poll playoff thing comes out, there may be some intrigue on who's four. A lot of the intrigue is in who's five, six, and seven. There's no intrigue on who's one, two, and three. Because it seems <laughs> like it's the same teams all the time. Bama, Clemson, <laughs> Ohio State. Now what do you yeah. got for me? Oh, yeah. Oklahoma. Hmm. Right. Notre Dame. Yeah. Which, okay. which superpower is going to nab that fourth spot and be able to hold on to it? And there may be some change between the, the, what do they do that for about a month before they release the final in a traditional yeah. season yeah. comes out the end of October first of November and then it's uh, uh, first week of December and away we go uh, for the playoff. But yeah, so there's not a lot of hope there that uh, for so many of the teams. And then you know, maybe you get a you get the Big Twelve uh, a, ses- a second SEC maybe. Uh, the Pac-12, but even in the Pac-12, there's really just a couple of two or three teams, four teams maybe, that got a shot at that. So in your own conference, two-thirds of the teams don't really have a shot. So within, at a conference level and a national level, is it just going to be the rich get richer? But the rich are already getting richer. But even more richer. <laughs> richer again. Alabama can get richer than going to the, going to the college football playoff every yeah, they, year? Well, they don't go every year. They haven't gone every year. They've gone six times, and so has Clemson. So would they literally go every year? If this, and in, and and then you talk about the impact. You're talking about how it can benefit your your example. Benefited UCSB, yes. Yeah, but how about uh, if a, if a kid who came there was a kid that uh, uh, who was it? I think it was uh, was he at, he was at San Diego State when San Diego State sucked. In basketball, mm-hmm. he's a little. I think he's, he's like he wanted to be called Circus, and his name was Raymond King. And it was when they were really bad. They had that uh, JC coach from uh, uh, Idaho. Idaho. Yeah, Trinkle. His name. He said, "Yeah, something like Fred that. Trinkle." And, and they were so playing the, in Peterson Gym that was like right. sixty years old and had dodgeball yeah. lines on the floor. And so he came out, looked real good, and he transferred to Pac-10. I'm out. Yeah. So, it, so in effect, that's already been happening. But will it happen more? You know, will maybe it'll benefit l- lesser schools, uh, but maybe it won't. I, I'm not sure, but it seems like it has the potential to be most of these schools being a, uh, basically a farm system for somebody who wants to hit hit the big time, possibly. But I still think they ought to do it. Gotta, I, I want rules that benefit the kid. It will be interesting to see if in one sport 
it works for one group of schools but doesn't work for that group of schools in another sport. You know, the thing that basketball has because they have the bigger tournament is that at every league, right, the, uh, the, when you're uh, in the big sky and the big west, you're, you're in a, oh, the whack, you're in a one-and-done league. So if you're UC Santa Barbara, you win your conference tournament, you go, and they can, you know, lament the last shot that didn't go down against Creighton. But it feels like a good year, and everybody's happy. Oh, I'd say now, a great year. You're right, but you go to uh, another league. And, you know, for a long time for Utah and BYU and their whack Mountain West days, the Sweet 16, that was the big year, right? If you got to the Sweet 16, you were feeling great. That was a really good year. You know, and then there are other leagues. It's the Pac-12, and it's Arizona, and, and Sean Miller was sweating every year in the regional final through his shirt four minutes in because they had to go to the Final Four. So all these different levels. I don't know that we're feeling that in football that much. There's four teams that get to go to the playoff, but I don't think you have these different levels of success where you can check a box and say, for us, this is awesome, whatever this is. You don't have that so much in football. You got it a little bit. The Utes will feel awesome if they're in a Rose Bowl, even if they controversial, a one-loss Ute team got passed over for the playoff. I think most Pac-12 teams would feel that way. They'd feel awesome if they're in the Rose Bowl, even if they got passed over for the playoff and it was controversial. Yeah, but that's the granddaddy. Yep. Yeah. So but that's that, the just that, that's the league for that we're following. You know. No, 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 no. What what you just did is you put the sugar bowl and the orange bowl and whatever bowl on the level of the granddaddy. <laughs> you need to take two steps back and say I'm sorry. And beg for forgiveness. No, because that's not what I was doing. Because I grew up on the West Coast, and I wouldn't do that. The you Sugar Bowl doesn't that. have any. The Sugar Bowl doesn't have any allure. See, then why the did thing you is, say that's because we're out here? Because we're covering, we're following Pac-12 teams. It I, doesn't matter. And I think that's. True I was a for kid Pac-12 growing teams. up in Jersey, and the granddaddy still was in my heart. Okay, so we can talk Big Twelve, and does Baylor get that vibe for going to the Sugar Bowl? No, I, don't, I, I just think said they do. that. Right, I don't think they do. But we're here talking about the Pac-12, and you do get that vibe for going to the Rose Bowl. It doesn't matter whether that you, you missed the point. Everywhere in the world, it's the granddaddy. Doesn't matter where your location is. You friggin' nincompoop. You're missing the point. You just want you to are. No. The point is evading you greatly. You're using it as a regional thing. That's why we're talking about the granddaddy. No, the granddaddy is the granddaddy. Repeat after me. It is the granddaddy. Three, two, one, go. No, that just sounds weird to start talking about granddaddies. All right, DJ and PK. Uh, I should have brought this up earlier in the week. Uh, when I first heard it, it was hilarious, and I thought of you, PK, because it's like first cousin to a thing that you have always talked about, and that thing didn't happen, but this one's kind of the same deal, and we'll get to that next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Matt Harper, kind enough to join us. I would never sacrifice health. I mean, if, if someone's legit injured, I would say, yeah, you don't want to get injured more. However, if you're at the nagging stage and you can push through, you're at the one seed and you can protect it, you got to go for it. I mean, this doesn't happen often. This is what you work for, and when you have it and you see it, you got to maintain it because it's a huge advantage. It's a huge advantage to those home court throughout. And then for the Jazz, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of guys that have played in a lot of tough playoff games, and they didn't go far last year in the playoffs. They should be ready for this grind here coming up. They're a young team. You know, to me, you go for it. You maintain that one spot, and I think it's crucial to have that going into the playoffs. 
Hans and Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This segment brought to you by Zero Res. When you get the carpets and tile clean, it's never just clean. It's Zero Res clean. Don't have it any other way. $33 per room. Cleaned. Carpet or tile. April only. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today. Call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online by searching for Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. All right, PK. Baseball has announced that the Atlantic League is going to be experimenting with some new rules. Trying them out. If they work... The assumption is that uh, down the line somewhere, a year, two, three, whatever, we could be seeing them in Major League Baseball. And you have made a joke, a small, insignificant joke, but a joke nonetheless, multiple times about, hey, move the bag back at first place, and that'll get rid of the close plays. Well, they're not moving the bag bag back. They're moving the mound back from 60 feet, 6 inches to 61 feet, 6 inches, taking a couple miles an hour off the old fastball. And I won't bore you with all the numbers, but the story I read about it, they were going into how the strikeout rate has gone from 14% to 24% or whatever it is, and the home run rate's gone up. And basically, it's eliminated the in-between plays. You know, it's, it's eliminated long fly balls, doubles into the gap, uh, grounders where someone's got to make a diving stop and all that. They want the ball in play, not just the home run and not just the strikeout, which have become a larger piece of the game. So, you like it? You like is this the the kind of rule tweak that baseball needs to put a little juice in the game? Probably the wrong word given baseball's history, but you know what I mean. Well, who are you appealing to though? Because it sounds good. Yeah, let's get more action in the game. It's mm-hmm. slow. Blah 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 blah. Uh, and it's a dying sport. There's no question about it. The average fan's 107 years old, as we know. And uh, for you, soccer is it. For Locke and the NBA is it. Depending on you know where your interest is, that's where you're all excited about. But uh, who are you going to attract? Are you going to attract a whole new generation? Wow, they move the, ba- the pitcher's mound back a foot. And so, man, I'm going to be a baseball fan now. I-, I think baseball has its niche. And those who like it, like it. And those who don't, don't. And so if your team is winning, we see it every year. Uh, if your team's winning, uh, Chavez Ravine will be packed. <laughs> Just the way it is. In a normal season, we know with the reduced capacity and all that stuff. But going into a normal year, I'm not sure it's going to make a difference. It may be the fan who's already into the game may like it. He or she may like it. Or he or she may not like it, but I don't know if you're going to attract new fans. You see what I'm saying there? Yeah, see, I don't think this is revolutionary, and I don't think for the people who think, baseball sucks! Well, you're not going to turn them around, so don't worry about it. But I think it can still make the game better. We've seen football tweak the rules uh, recent. Well, there have been a ton of rules about the passing game to make that more exciting. And so I kind of view it as that. I view this as kind of a small tweak the way moving the extra point back was. Nobody started watching the NFL because, hey, the extra points are longer now. But nonetheless, I think it was a good tweak of the rules. The, the, it was too routine, and now they get missed once in a while. It changes the math and the strategy at the end of the game. So I like it. And I think if this puts a few more balls in play, it's not going to eliminate home runs or strikeouts, but they don't need to be an overwhelming percentage. I just think baseball should be open to these small tweaks. They can make the game a little better. 
you know, basketball has been open to small tweaks. Um, legalizing the zone and getting rid of the illegal defense, it just made the game flow better. You know, and I think you have to adapt because now there's so much money. There's so many people sitting around trying to figure out how to how to game the rules and find every little advantage. So if you have a chance to tweak a rule, whether it's baseball, football, or basketball, or whatever, and make the game a little better, go ahead and do it. I don't think the extra points has said zero difference in my life. Zero. Zero. No zero. I can't recall any game that's been decided by that that mattered. Maybe some game October 10th or whatever, but <laughs> did, it, did it change anything? Did it make any difference over the course of 16, now 17 games? I, I don't know that it did. I can't, I can't recall anything that has changed substantially or even a little because of some extra point being moved back. What did they move it back, 10 yards, 15 yards? I don't even know how long they moved it back. Uh, so... What what we if you you if you want to revolutionize kicking, I'm all for it. In that, if you want strategy, then you get three field goal attempts a game. Use them at your own discretion. But it's the the thing about it is that the the kickers now a 40 yard field goal was big. Well, now it's routine. Yep. So guys can kick 50, 55 yarders left and right and down the middle. <laughs> so uh, change it that way. I, I cosmetic changes are just that. If you want significant changes, then then make them. If you want to make the game more exciting and more intrigue and adds a little strategy, I've been saying this for years. For, give the you got three field goal attempts, use them at your discretion. But having teams win sixteen or fifteen to nine bores me to tears. But yet we see that, and so I think that needs changing. And I just, with baseball, I'm okay with this. Try it. Give you that's what the minor league is for. Because if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Who cares? Yep. And and guys are coming in throwing much harder now. You know the days of the six nine, two hundred and ten pound center in the NBA are they're gone. <laughs> they are. And because guys are bigger now, and they have more sophisticated training, and they all have they make outrageous amounts of money. They can hire their own chefs, their own trainers. They don't need anything to do in the offseason except train. They don't have to worry about a thing financially, and they don't have to worry about a thing financially for the rest of their lives and their kids' lives because they're making so much. Average players, players who aren't worth a crap that will never remember, are making over $20 million a year. And so... Uh, they have all these things at their disposal. So as, why as opposed, not look at, at that? As opposed to an era that our dads lived in where an MVP had to take a job in the offseason to make ends meet. Yeah. Roy Campanella, three-time MVP, uh, worked in a liquor store in the offseason. I think he owned it, didn't he? Oh, did he? I don't know that. Yeah, I yeah. thought he worked in it. Uh, I didn't know he owned it. Maybe he I'm did. I'm not sure about yeah. that. But, uh, yeah, so it's got guys substitute teaching and yeah. going back on a farm and whatever it might be. Yeah, you can and still do that if you want. Aaron Rodgers doing Jeopardy. Uh, <laughs> right. Now but, it's take a week off and, uh, and yeah. you're back in the weight room. Yeah. And so the, you know, the proverbial bigger, stronger, faster and all that stuff, it's there. So I appreciate these leagues trying to, to tweak rules for making it better. I just don't know that uh, that's – that's the answer to, to draw more folks in. And there, there needs to be – I mean, they messed around with the ball last year. Home runs were going around like crazy, and now they've toned down the ball. Well, uh, the home run is the ultimate excitement, right? And so Chicks Dig the Long Ball, that commercial with the Braves pitcher years ago. Yeah, 20 years and ago. And so that was a big deal then and all that stuff. It was a, it was a saying, and 
but th- that doesn't mean you don't try to keep doing stuff. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You can always go back. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. He's an hour away right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.